Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. But speaking of surgeries being cancelled, I want to speak to Carol Troy. Carol, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Good. More bad news. And this doesn't help your situation, of course, because if we're going into a lockdown for another six weeks, I think you might be waiting a little bit longer than you thought initially. But your dad is, is unwell. He's 81 years of age. Um, what, what's wrong with him, Carol? Basically, dad is 81 years of age, as you said, and a very fit 81 years of age up until relatively recently, up until earlier this year, when he became acutely unwell. And Dad um, is in, lives in Clonmel, and um, he ended up in St. Joseph's Hospital in Clonmel. And after numerous tests that were discovered, he had a blockage in his bile duct. Okay. Um, so it meant basically he was losing a lot of weight and stuff. So anyway, between various jigs and reels, um, over the course of the summer, he was in and out of hospital. It kept recurring. So eventually it was decided he needed to go and see a consultant gastroenterologist in the Mercy Hospital in Cork. By the way, how does that manifest itself? Does he get pains in his stomach? Is he is he getting bad pains or wind or indigestion? No, or how does that manifest? He, um, he had lost a lot of weight and had no appetite at all. Now, Dad right. was never a very heavy man, but lost a lot of weight, no appetite, and had some vomiting as well. So, okay. you know, very unpleasant. Yeah. So um, he was in St. Joseph's Hospital in Clonmel, and um, they said, right, we're going to bring you to the Mercy Hospital in Cork. So he was in St. Joseph's probably for a period of about four weeks. Um, Over the course of the four weeks, I'd say they told him probably six times that we have the bed for you in Cork, you're on your way down now. And at the last minute, he would be sitting, waiting to go down to the Mercy Hospital in Cork, and he would be told, sorry, there's no bed available for you. So this was incredibly frustrating, obviously, for my poor father, who was stuck in hospital, couldn't see anybody. I'm sure the word, the word COVID was mentioned probably a few times yes, as, as yes. the reason why they had no bed. Yes, absolutely it was. Mm. So eventually we got him down to the Mercy Hospital in Cork. He had his various tests and it was established that the, the cause of this blockage was that he had a mass on the head of his pancreas. Oh, gosh. Thankfully, it was precancerous. And the consultant that he saw said he considered it to be operable. And that if it, if the operation was successful, it would be cured. If he would be cured and would go on to live a natural course of his life. Yep. So we were very happy with this. And so because it's a major operation, it lasts probably about seven to eight hours. And the surgeon only does the operation once a month. So dad was scheduled for the operation for Tuesday of this week. And at his um, age, he was probably quite concerned about this operation too. There's a lot absolutely. of there's a lot of mental preparation for something yes. like this too. It was huge mental preparation because, yeah. and I mean, they did a lot of physical tests on him to establish his fitness, but also, do you know, we were talking to him. You know, because he was worried, of course, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. he was. I know my my, my own dad went in. Well, he he died many years ago. But when he went in, he was quite old, and he went in for a hip replacement. And I remember he was terrified. Now, normally that would be routine surgery for most people, but as you get older, it becomes a little bit more complicated. And he, and you know, I mean, you're trying to talk them into it, and you're saying, "Look, it'll be fine. It'll be fine." And they do worry. I know they worry. Of course, it's incredibly daunting at any yeah. age, but particularly at 81. So shortly before his surgery, it was decided to leave him home for a couple of days so that he could get a little bit of exercise, get some of my mum's good home cooking into him, build him up a little bit before the surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was discharged a couple of days before the surgery was due, went down Sunday, last Sunday, had his COVID test down in Cork, 
um, got the phone call Monday morning from the bed management to say, yes, come on in, we have your bed. My sister dropped him down to the Mercy in, in Cork. We all heaved an enormous sigh of relief, said, thank goodness we've it's finally got done. Yeah, sorted. Yeah. yeah, you know, after so many months of toing and froing. Tuesday morning came, half past seven, Dad has brought in his gown to go down to theatre. He, you know, gets changed into the gown. Yeah, all nearly there. Ready yeah, to nearly go. there. Yeah, yeah, all psyched. And obviously the team are waiting in theatre for him. You know, you have your surgeon and anaesthetist. Last minute, they come into Dad in his hospital room and say, sorry, your operation has been cancelled. We have no ICU bed for you um, post-operatively. Um, because of COVID, you can go home. Oh, no. Yeah. So they had nowhere to observe him after because obviously he would have to go into a high dependency unit yeah. to be observed for 24 hours at least or whatever afterwards. He would. Yeah. Because it's such a major well, I mean, operation. Yeah. Well, anybody who goes to surgery or that kind of surgery would have to be watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that, uh, and they didn't have a bed because at the moment I know um, Cork University Hospital and Mercy Hospital are among 13 acute hospitals across the country without any available ICU beds this week. No beds. And, and this is, of course, the knock on effect of COVID 19. But, I mean, we've had seven months to prepare for this. This is what I can't understand with people like your dad. We've had seven months where we knew this is a problem. They should have talked about second waves going back four months ago. So why aren't we more prepared? Why didn't they have extra ICU beds? Why didn't they procure the the private hospitals, if need be, to do these kind of things? I just don't get this at all. No, I don't get it. And, you know, I'm, dad is just devastated about this. We're all devastated about it. And I think it's it's also as well the fact that it's not just... My, I don't mean my dad's day was wasted, but there was a highly skilled surgeon, a highly skilled anaesthetist, um, you know, theatre nurses. Their whole day was essentially wasted. wasted. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and preparation so in the studio, or in the studio, should I say, in the yes. theatre, everything else. Yeah. So much preparation goes yeah. involved in big surgery I mean, like that. I know that consultant has an extensive waiting list, you know, people with requiring lesser procedures. Had this been known sufficiently in advance, I'm quite sure he could have. There are other people waiting for treatment. That wouldn't that have needed ICU, yes. That wouldn't no, have needed, yeah. That could have been dealt with on the day. So, it, it, like, it's not just a systems failure for my father. It's a systems failure right across the board because, you know, so many people could have been dealt with. They're now but talking you know, But, about you know, in some ways, Carol, I sometimes think that COVID has been used as some sort of excuse for a failing health service that we've had for the last 30 years. I mean, we, I mean, before COVID even came along, sure, we had people on the radio telling us that their poor, you know, 80-year-old mother was sitting on a trolley for 24 hours waiting for an operation or whatever it happens to be out in a corridor. And so, like, we've, we've gone through this for 30 years and I just don't know how we can't learn. I mean, particularly when it comes to COVID-19 now, we should have a handle on things. We should, we've had seven months now where we knew things were bad. We've watched Italy and we've watched other countries go through the, the hardest parts of these things. And we should have been on the ball. I mean... This, is, this isn't a surprise. No, not it's at not, all. You know, I mean, what happened earlier in the year was a surprise. The whole world was Absolutely, off guard. Yeah. And, and, you know, for the first few weeks of that or a couple of months of that, I can understand them taking off their guard and under pressure and the health service under pressure because they don't know what to do because they didn't have the space. But now we're in a situation seven months down the road where we knew this was kind of going to happen again. And unfortunately, it seems COVID-19 will be with us for a long time, so we better get used to it. So we need to have a plan B. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if they have a plan B. I mean, they've spoken to my dad and said, next Tuesday... But I mean, next Tuesday, that means somebody else's operation well, has been pushed ahead. Well, judging by what's going to happen, I'm, judging by what's going to happen on Monday, I think next Tuesday might be a problem now as well. Because yeah. obviously, if we're going into a full lockdown level five next Tuesday, that's going to cause more problems and knock-on effects to the health service and everything else. Yes. So absolutely. it's going to be. And by the way, just to mention as well, you haven't had a great year personally yourself. So it's very noble no. of you to be helping your dad. <laughs> I know you were you were diagnosed with cancer yourself. I was actually, I, I, I will call myself another victim of the HSE. I recently had to 
um, crowdfund to fund my own treatment for my breast cancer. Yeah, this is um, a, a drug called... Per, well, how do you pronounce that? You can pronounce it for me. Pertuzumab. Pertuzumab. Pertuzumab, okay. yes. Yeah. Um, I went through uh, breast cancer earlier this year, went through chemotherapy, through lockdown um, on my own. Um, you know, I was at home homeschooling kids while I was going through chemotherapy um, and went through surgery earlier in September. Was given the the all clear in as much as they can tell. Yeah. And my um, consultant outlined to me um, that what treatment I would have going forward because breast cancer has a one in three chance of recurrence, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, so one of the drugs I'm on is a drug called Herceptin, which I'll be on for a year to prevent my cancer recurring. And she wanted me to put to put me on this other drug called Pertuzumab. But basically what she said is, I can't put you on it because you don't meet the HSE criteria. What, for is, what, is, what is the criteria? You have to be sicker, I assume. Basically, uh, because I have had my surgery and my chemotherapy, I don't meet the HSE criteria for funding of this drug. Right, okay. It must be obviously, it's an expensive drug, obviously. Very it's, yes, it's 3,000 euros per treatment, okay. uh, a total cost of 54,000. Right. Um, so she said the only option was for me to pay for it myself, which needless to say, I don't have. That's not the kind of money you have in your back pocket? No, no. 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 And you, you set up a GoFundMe page at the time, and in fairness, I you did. did very well. I did, absolutely. I mean, people were just amazing because I think everybody was able to empathise and say, that could be me in the morning. Well, of course. My yeah, mother yeah. in the morning. Um, so I was, thankfully, was very successful and will be able to get this life lengthening and, and not only did you get your drug, by the way, you were looking 54, you got 62, so you donated the rest of that as well to Breakthrough yes, Cancer I Research did. in Cork, which is good yes. of you as well. It's very noble of you yes. as well. So you've gone through a tough year with yourself and now with your dad. And how's your, how's your dad now? How is he, you know, psychologically, how is he handling this now? Um, dad is very pragmatic, but I mean, I, I suppose it has to be intensely frustrating for him. Um, because he was so psyched for, um, you know, having this surgery. Um, and, and, and often the waiting for surgery is the most difficult part. And he's now been pushed down further down that path. So it's the waiting for this to come about um, has to be intensely difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it does take its toll on, on, on anybody. And, and he's done so much waiting to try and get this sorted. Um, so, you know, hopefully... It will happen sooner rather than later. But, but, so, but I, I'm looking here, if somebody texts in and says, now this was happening three years ago. My surgeon refused to do an operation on me in the Mercy uh, because they didn't have an ICU bed at the time. Um, and so I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, what COVID-19 has just done is highlighted the complete incompetency of the government over the last 30 years to, to fix the health service in this country. Yeah. And unfortunately, now everybody is paying the price. The, the citizens are paying the price for it. Um, and the person says Brexit will be the final nail in the coffin. Uh, things <laughs> are not adding up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's just pushed pushed it all over the edge. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, I, and you know, I I I, I empathise with the people out there. By the way, when we talk about cancer, because somebody else mentioned as well that we're going to have to see a lot of non-COVID related illnesses being amplified uh, by the fact that we don't have beds, by the fact that we don't have doctors to go and see, or it's difficult to get to see them, or a little bit more inconvenient. And we're going to see a lot of undiagnosed cancers probably over the next two or three years. But look, I, I wish you well and I wish your dad well and I hope he gets thank his operation soon. But I think, thank you for highlighting it. I, I, I could probably bring on about 10 stories similar today of people probably. in similar situations. And I don't mean to, to diminish your story, but I'm just saying, nope. I think it highlights a situation that needs to be highlighted around the country. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Thank Carol. you very I much, I appreciate, appreciate it. All right, there you go. Carol Troy, 81-year-old dad, um, obviously let down on numerous occasions, finally gets in to get his operation, literally on his way to the theatre and told, sorry, we don't have an ICU bed for you. And the idea that we can blame COVID on that... I mean, don't get me wrong, on this occasion, it, they blamed COVID. 
is wrong because as somebody rightly said, the same thing happened to them three years ago before we had COVID. We have a completely inadequate health service for a population of five million people. We have known this for years. And now what's happening? We can see the results of having an inadequate health service. If we go back three years ago in this country, and again, I'm not comparing the two, but we, we had a bad flu season. And during that flu season, you know, we as people said this is disgraceful. We had no ICU beds. We had no hospital beds. We had people in corridors. Uh, we had people, remember that poor old woman who sat on a chair for 24 hours in her 80s, who literally sat in her own urine in, a, you know, in the middle of a corridor because nobody could see them. People at A&E hanging out of the rafters. And the government did nothing about it. Every single Minister for Health that we've had, including Michal Martin when he was Minister for Health, said they would do something about it, including Leo Varadka. Every single one of them, Mary Harney, every single one of them said they'd fix this problem, and they didn't. And now it is back to bite them in the ass. But the problem is, they're now not taking the blame for it anymore. They're passing the blame to us. That's what they're doing. And if people can't see that, I'm lost. They're passing the blame to us. They're saying, come on, you guys need to get together. You just need to stay in your houses. You not visit people because we want to reduce the amount of sick people in the country, particularly when it comes to COVID-19, because we can't handle the problem. That's what they're doing now. Whereas before, we would have been shouting at them and saying, we're not taking the blame. It's your problem. You fix it. But sadly, people will die because of this incompetency in the healthcare system. And they can't blame COVID-19. They can't. We, I mean, Ireland is a small country. Yes, we have some cases of COVID-19. Yes, we have some admissions of COVID-19 in hospital. And yes, we have some people in ICU. It's not a monumental amount of people. We should be able to handle it. Look at other countries who have 10 times as many people as we have and much better health service. We should be able to handle it. Now, sorry, Kevin, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Kevin? Oh, nice. How are you? Kevin, uh, your uncle and your auntie are both dying of cancer. Oh, I'm so I'm so sorry to hear that. How old are they, by the way? Uh, in their mid seventies. Right. Okay. 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 Still young people. Yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, refused treatment during the spring by the HSE. They were refused treatment. Refused treatment by the HSE, and this is not made up. Both of them refused treatment. And when you when you say they were refused treatment, so they needed chemotherapy, I'm assuming. Yeah. One of them was after an operation and uh, failed to get uh, carry-on treatment. Okay. And uh, they rang last week in to say that she has very little hope. That it's, it's only a matter of time. And on top of that, then, she told us that her brother is inside in the hospice and he's also dying. Oh, gosh. And this is the after effects of, of your COVID, which everybody wants to come through, shut down for. And on top of that... My beautiful second cousin lost her life last weekend due to depression. Oh, and now my father is sitting down at home, terrified, absolutely terrified of, of going into hospital, right? Because he's been in hospital eight, nine times in the last seven years. Right? He's absolutely terrified. And yesterday he managed to get the flu injection. Yeah. And... Uh, you, like, I'm going to tell you a story and I want everybody to listen to this, right? And you need to listen to this, okay? Okay. When the lockdown came in the early March, April, yeah. my father sat me down at home and he said to me, Kev, I'm going to ask you a favour. And I said, show the way there. And he said to me, I've suffered depression two times in my life. Serious, serious depression. He said, the first time you were young, 
And he said, I put a shotgun to my head. And he said, I very nearly pulled it. And I do not know how I didn't pull it, he said to me. But he said to me, his mother, my mother, managed to get him through. He said, not the health service, it was as bad in as it is today. It must have been terrible to hear your father say that to you, Gavin. Oh, yeah, I was in tears. He said to me, my mother got him through it. Okay? Mm, okay. Now, seven years ago, we suffered another tragedy in our family. I don't want to go into the details. Okay, no, don't, please don't, if you don't. You know about this now, all right? A murder-suicide. I'm not going into details. He suffered his second spate of depression. But the second this time, he knew how to deal with it. And his mother, my mother, family, and above all, neighbours got him through it. Okay? Okay. So, when, when the announcement got mentioned about a lockdown... He pleaded with me. He said, Kev, I'm going to ask you to break the law. And I said, what do you mean, Dad? He said, everyone in my family have refused to call. He said, you're the last one. He said, you called to me three, four nights of the week. He said, if you stop calling, we're going to have no one. And I know, well, I'm going to suffer again, he said. And I'd sooner die of COVID than die of depression. Eh? Mm-hmm. Now, what, what they've done to this country again... Is an absolute disgrace. I got pulled by a guard one night, and I, he says to me, where are you going? And I said, guard, I'm not going to lie to you. I said, I'm going home to see my mother and father. And I said, I have my two grandchildren, I have my two sons with me. I said, I know I'm breaking the law, I said, but I'm going to my parents. I said, if you want to arrest me, you arrest me. And I told him exactly what I told you now. And his words were, he says, what we've been forced to do to the elderly people of this country is an absolute disgrace. And that came from a guard's voice. How in God's Jesus people sit around and allow Tony Hoolhead to tell the country, to tell us that we can't call to see our elderly parents? So how can we allow people that live on their own? Huh? Are people going to fucking crack their what? See, I, 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 by the way, can I just point out, there are a lot of people, elderly people, with serious underlying conditions. And, yeah. and, and a conscious decision has to be made by the sons and daughters of those people who visit them or, or look after them or care for them, that when you go to see them, there's a risk attached to it. And, and with COVID-19, obviously, because it is, it is, it does attack the vulnerable. So there's a risk attached. But I completely understand, Kevin, what you're saying. And if I was you, and in your position, I would have done exactly the same thing. I can't understand people coming onto your radio. You're the only person. I flick through radios and I just can't keep them on because every one of them are for lockdowns. Have people any idea what's going to happen? Right? There are thousands. So, so you're, essentially, your dad was saying to you, if you stop coming to, if you follow the guidelines and stop coming to see me, I won't be here anymore. He begged me. He actually cried in front of me and my mother pleaded with me to keep calling. Well, and I know for a fact, I know there's members of my family listening to this now, and they give out to me for calling, right? And I'm telling you, here and now, I'm going to be calling again tonight, and every night this week, and for the week for the weeks coming. And I don't care who tries to stop me. And what I can't understand is the, the clowns, and that's all I can call them, who are coming on this radio station, giving out to you, saying that we should be going into lockdown. It's the worst thing we can do to this country. Well, see, what I think of all the time is, and I understand the position the government are in, to, a, to an extent, to an extent, I do. You it, have it, no idea what position but, the government... But, but, but what I'm saying to you is, 
I can guarantee you, if the government were in the same financial position as most people in this country, they wouldn't be making the decisions they're making. But that's beside the point. I, but what I'm saying to you is, they don't, they, 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 they are disconnected from your story, Kevin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not, and and I, heard, I heard Stephen Donnelly yesterday on the radio, and somebody sent in a question about, you know, this not being allowed to visit anybody. You're not allowed to have any visitors anymore now, right? Since last night at midnight. Yeah. And somebody sent in a question because they were asking him questions. And the question was, can my son come home from college? He's in college in Galway. I heard, I heard him on the radio last And he night. said no. And I said, I said, when did we ever, in this wild earthly world, think that we would ever allow a government to tell us that we can't see a member of our own family? Now, I want to say that with a caveat that if your member of your family is in a vulnerable situation, you have to be cautious about that. And by the way, and that comes with consent. If that member of the family, as your father, your father, said he wants you to come and see him. But that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's your permission. You should feel no guilt in going to see him. Absolutely none. Uh, again, I'm not going to go into detail of it now. You read a letter, right? I'm not going into detail of it. It's private, right? Yeah, yeah, no. I know. For I seven years, this is all I'm going to say. For seven years, we've been fighting with the HSC looking for answers. In I, I, I know the story that you're, you're referring to. And, 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 and Kevin, unfortunately, I can't talk about it on the air, and you understand why. I, I think I, yeah. But people have no idea how the HSC are abusing people, right? And they're abusing people for the simple reason. For decades, they have failed, failed to put a public service in place that is for the money they're getting, right? There's no point saying that the health service is... But when we say the health service, I think the men and women, the majority of them that work in the health service want the best for everybody. I, I, I blame not the health service, but the people who run it and the government. Not, then, the, not the men and women on the front line. The majority of those are good you're people. You're wrong. You're wrong. Right? Well, no, I'm not. No, Kevin, I'm not. The majority of them are good people who want to save lives. An ambulance crew called for my father a number of weeks ago. It's probably two months now. They called to my father. My mother rang him. She was on her own. She rang him. This was probably the ninth time in the last, in the last seven years he's gone into hospital. Uh, at that time, he was suspected pneumonia again. But they arrived to my father's door. They took out a bottle of sanitizer to sanitize their hands when they came in. Brand new bottle. The mother uh, got everything left over with the father for probably two hours. We're leaving. The mother says to them, you forgot your bottle of sanitizer. No, no, no. We can't take that with us. Leave that there. Mm-hmm. Right? A brand new bottle of sanitizer. They were the only people who used it. Right? Nobody else touched it. They were the only people who used it. Well, there might, I, I don't know. There might be some sort of protocol around that, Kevin. I, I don't know. But all I will say to you is, I, the one thing I will disagree with you, and I agree with everything that you've said today, Kevin, everything, with the exception of, I believe, the majority of people who work in the health service, the doctors, the nurses, the paediatricians, uh, the uh, oncologists, and everybody else, I believe they have the best intentions in the world. I do believe they're under-resourced, and I believe that problem lies with the Department of Edu- or the Department of Health and also with the government. So I, I think that's part and badly run, by the way, not just under resourced. There's plenty of money going there. Kevin, listen, I have to go to break, but I, everybody's been listening to your story today and everybody empathizes with the situation you're in with your dad. And I don't think there's anybody in the country would uh, condemn you for the decision that you made in that particular situation. And I think there are lots of situations, different situations. When we bring in guidelines or rules and regulations around COVID-19, we have to accept 
that are many different situations around the country. And I don't believe anybody should be denied seeing their mother or their father or their son or their daughter as long as it's feasible and as long as there's some sort of realistic reason for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking here online at some of the texts by the way they're coming in. A lot of people says, now, fair play to you. At least you're honest. Most of the presenters on radio would never, ever um, say that to that man. You're right not to judge him. I would do the same. And I think everybody else listening to the radio today would have done exactly the same in that situation. Why would you abandon your own parent if they asked you to call to their home? I don't know why somebody would abandon their own parent, as long as you common sense and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, a lot of people texting in about uh, level five, of course, uh, most likely is on the way and according to the Irish Independent today um, Neffet the Chief Medical Officer are calling for a level 5 lockdown now obviously Michal Martin is away at the moment so it's probably not going to happen today and people were predicting 6 o'clock today on the news that it would be announced but it's probably not going to be till Monday or Tuesday I imagine and that's just a guess by the way or a hunch um, but level 5 as you know you know what level 5 is don't you it's the same as before more or less except trying to keep the schools open um, it means that you won't be able to go five kilometres from your home, all that kind of stuff. All the shops will be all closed, except the ones that are necessary to open. Everything will have to be done online. Um, everybody will be told not to go to work, uh, except what they call necessary jobs. You know, so, see, the private sector, again, hit really bad. There's a divide. We're not all in this together. This line, it irritates me every time I hear it. We're all in this together. We're all, we should be all in this together, absolutely. But we're not all in it together. Because those who were okay with the lockdowns, when I say okay, nobody likes a lockdown, you know, don't have to worry about, and I don't want to make it a public private sector thing, but that's what it is. They don't have to worry about their jobs, their security, their business, their financial security, their job in the future. But unfortunately, those in the private sector are being devastated at the moment. Absolutely devastated. And it's okay to feel not okay. Can I just point out? It's all right to feel not okay. And I know there's loads of people texting in saying, you know, they feel like very depressed. It's all right to feel like that. I went to the doctor yesterday, yesterday afternoon, because that's the way I felt. So it's okay to feel like that. Um, Celine, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Celine? Hi, how are you? Uh, Celine, you lost your dad in June. We did, yeah, unfortunately. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that, and, and condolences to you. What was your dad? My dad was 84. He would have been 85 in October, so, yeah, he had a good what life. Was it, what was his name? We say hello to him. What was his name? His name was John. He's known as Sean, Sean Arnold. Sean, okay, Sean, wherever yeah. you are, wherever you are, Sean, I yeah. hope you're looking down at us now. I hope so. <laughs> and saying a few prayers for us because we certainly, yeah. need, we certainly need them. Yeah. You know, and Definitely. and you during the lockdown, this was after I think your dad, your dad died. Uh, your house was robbed. Oh, you were no. robbed. Sorry, sorry. No, no, I wasn't robbed. Okay. Said, in the text, I said I felt I felt as if we were robbed of my dad's last oh, two weeks. Oh, I do, I do apologize. No, I fine. do apologize. I just misread That's that. No okay. Problem. Okay, so he, was in, uh, he, he was in hospital for two weeks, and we, we weren't allowed to visit him. Right. Okay. Okay. I get and you. we we they did a video call. Maybe um, Is that the he same? had mild he had, he had mild dementia, but he was like he knew all of us. He knew all his family. It was more his short term memory was affected, but he just couldn't he couldn't understand why we weren't allowed to visit him. And the video call, like, it was just it was. It was bad. It was you know, it's terrible. A, I don't know whether it's an Irish thing or whether it happens worldwide that we all like to be able to say, you know, when somebody passes away, oh, we were all there or, you know, and people want to be there for, you know, for, yeah. the, for that person's last breath, you know, to say yeah. what they want to say to the person before they go. And it is, I don't know. Is that, I don't know if that's an Irish thing or not. Maybe it is a worldwide thing. I don't know. Um, but I see so many people have been robbed, as you rightly said. Of those yeah. last couple of weeks or those la- that yeah. la- those last moments, and it's something, by the way, that we can never get back. Everything else during the lockdown, we could probably figure out how to get it back again at some point later in our lives. 
but that's something you will never get back. No, no, we were we were we were lucky, and as you can call it, lucky in the last week, in the last in the last few days, the nursing staff did show some compassion. They did allow us in when it became clear that he wasn't going to survive. They did allow us in, so we were incredibly lucky. And myself and my sister were able to be there, and we were able to hold his hand. And when he passed, we were there, so we were incredibly lucky. But the the, the weeks leading up to that were just horrendous. Mm-hmm. They just were horrendous. But then, like he was stuck in a room on his own because he had an infection and it wasn't COVID. But there wasn't even a window in the bedroom. There was a, a car. There was a piece of wood stuck up over the window with a fan in it. He couldn't even see a daylight in his last week, and it was just horrendous. It really you was. Know, horrendous. I think. I, I think in years to come we will look back at 2020. I hope we will look back at 2020 as being some sort of nightmare, and the way yeah. we treated people. Uh, is yeah. despicable. I think it's just yeah. I, there has to be another way of doing things. When you hear yeah. stories of, and I had a chap on there a while ago, and his wife was being given the bad news that her unborn baby had was die had died in the womb, and he's outside yeah. in the car. He yeah. He's not even allowed in to hold her hand while she's been told you. We look back at this and say, why did we do that to people? I know it's it's horrendous. It's just horrendous. It's 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 unthinkable. I just I don't know. know what's going to happen. And do you have many siblings? Oh. Were they all there as well? By the way, did they manage to get anywhere? There was only myself and my sister. I still have my mum looking, but my mum wasn't able to handle it. She said her goodbyes and we, she wasn't able to be there. And he died on myself. I have a brother in London and I have two sisters. It must have been terrible for your mum. It was terrible how, for long, how, long, how long were they married? They were married 60 years in April. They just made it, so, oh. yeah. Oh, gosh. And now my mum has had elective surgery on Monday. She's really anxious since my dad died and she's up the walls now that her surgery's not going to go ahead either. It's on her back, and she like she's really panicking about it all, and it's just like it's just so hard on them. It's just really hard on the elderly people, and it's awful to watch mm-hmm. suffering like this. It's terrible. They need people like they need they need their families. They need company. They just they need it to survive. In my opinion, we, we are we we're, we're forgetting. I mean, it's all well and good for Neffa to make decisions and government to make decisions, but we're not taking into consideration the impact this is having on people's lives from a no. mental health point of view, apart from a physical point of view, from a mental health Absolutely. point of view. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's it, that's it something that you will carry with you. And Celine, I don't want to impact that or impound that even compound that even more. But it's something you you will have to live with for the rest of your life now, be, because of that decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know it is. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, listen, Celine. Thank you very much indeed, and condolences once again to lost, lost your dad. And I hope your mom gets on okay. By the way, with her surgery, and I hope she she manages to get it. And, I uh, hope so. And, and it's all successful. Listen, thanks very much, Nadine. I appreciate you coming on the air. No problem. Thank you. Okay, lots of people. Somebody says, fair play to you. Very honest person. Well, I'd like to try and be honest because I, th- I don't want people to think that, you know, oh, radio presenters are something special or, or something we're kind of disconnected from the population. We're not. We're exactly the same as everybody else. I feel the same way as everybody else. I'm equally as depressed as everybody else. Uh, lots of people texting in. Somebody says, uh, Niall, it was meant to have a divorce uh, back in May. Unfortunately, it was cancelled due to COVID. And he says, my divorce is due again in the coming weeks. But unfortunately, it looks like it's probably going to be cancelled again. Um, this is what's wrong in society. I mean, well, how can the courts possibly do this? They're putting me through absolute hell. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I know, I know. You think I don't know how you feel? I know better than you think. All right, just to remind you again, for those who just tuned in, uh, Neffet have recommended a level five restrictions. As I said, it's unlikely. Some people are suggesting it'll happen today at six o'clock and be announced by somebody else apart from Hall Martin. I, I doubt it, unless he's going to do a... <laughs> Uh, do as uh, Leo did, going back, um, you know, in March and, and announce it from wherever he is. But I, I doubt that's going to happen. 
Um, but this is going to devastate the country. And somebody says uh, doctors are supposed to take a Hippocratic oath, uh, and they don't. Or do they don't? They don't take a Hippocratic oath anymore. Uh, but they still have to adhere to the first principle: do not harm. Neffet are breaking this principle. Says Pat. Pat, they are. They are. You're right because they're doing so much harm to people and devastating so many people's lives. And I understand, you know, there's a there's a virus. I, I'm not a denier or anything like that. But what happened to we're living with the virus? What happened to crush the curve or flatten the curve and then let's live with the virus? We're not living with a virus. We're living with restrictions in our lives. Uh, Jay, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Um Jay, I mean, is this going to affect you? I mean, because just to remind people what level five is, well, it's back to March. You know what I mean? It's back to, yeah, you know, no. no going any more than five kilometres from your gaff and no, all that kind of stuff. I, I live in a truck Monday to Friday and anyway, it's not going to affect Oh, well, you, you're a necessary service, so you're delivering, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, it didn't affect yeah. you. Never mind all that noise. Quick one. How are you, pal? I'm okay. I'm you've okay. been going through a lot lately, as well, in the last, and you've been taking on all of our problems every day. Uh-huh. You are right. I'm not, not going to lie to you. I'm not in a good place right now, no. I know you're not. I know you're not. I heard you were, you were saying you're at the doctor's test, you know. Yeah, yeah. Listen, your friends are here for you. Your listeners are your friends. I know you mightn't think it because we're, we're faceless people, if you know what I mean. We, we do a lot of interactions over the phone. Well, your friends are there for you as well. I know. I appreciate that, Jay, and thanks very much indeed. I do appreciate that's good, it. That's good. No, that's good. That's good. Just glad to hear that you're all right. Um, Niall, this is your inhumane and cruel treatment of the people of this country. What's the here's here's the question I get asked when I say that Jay and I say that to people all the time. What's the alternative? I mean, there are alternative thinking out there, which is you know we but try. We're not and, listening to them. Well, no, we're not listening. To them. We're not. No, no, we are we're, as a deep. But I mean, it looks like when they're saying level five for six weeks and then what? Go back to level three and then what? Close it down and again. What, and then when and then when the the, the, the cases start rising, dude. I mean, I'm just a truck driver, so I'm not going to say I'm the brainiest person, but it's a virus. You, it's like trying to hold back the water, isn't it? Well, if you know what I mean. So, but when you, you, but you do have the... professors and scientists in this country, some of them, um, who I believe personally are loony, who are telling us mm. that we have to try and eradicate the virus, like St. Patrick did with the snakes. Uh, eradicate <laughs> the virus uh, and live on a COVID-free island. That's a fantasy idea. It's never going to work. Have they ever eradicated any virus no. this quick? No, no, no. How long are you looking for a cure for AIDS now? 47 years or something, somebody said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're trying to convince us that... The majority, by the way, the majority of viruses that we have never found uh, a vaccine for. No, but we just learn to control yeah, them absolutely. and live with them. So why, why should this be any different? We're not going to have a country in six weeks. If we don't, get, if we don't, we're going to have to stand up against these people. But Niall, unfortunately, these people are going to get back in. You know that. In four years' time, you mark my words, they will come up with some other way of mixing up the numbers that no matter how many times we vote them out, they have it in such a way that they're in. Yeah, no, I, I, I see where you're coming from because... Which is I, wrong. But, but, but yeah, but it's very easy to do that when you instill so much fear in people and there is oh, yeah. there is genuine fear out there. Have people you seen have, the new ad going around trying to cut a culture? Have you seen the new ad? I think it's coming from England where the, the girl is making her father a cup of tea and all this green, like, mucky stuff starts coming over our hands, our mouth, the cup, and it, that's the virus spreading and that's that's the ad. Mm. And if you see it, I swear to God, it'll terrify the lights for you. See, that's this is, and I think they're controlling by fear. Um, they've been shown up for what they are inadequate. The health system has been shown up for what it is run inadequate. The poor nurses and doctors are taking all this on the chin, but it's the it's the higher level that has done all this. To us. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely understand what you're saying, and 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 there are two sections of society 
that there are those who want to move on and live with the virus. There are those who want to eradicate it because they're terrified out of their mind. And the government have done a wonderful job. It just shows you how easy it was for the Catholic Church to do it many years ago to instill fear in people. If you didn't believe in holy God, you were going to go to hell. Uh, that was indoctrination. Jay, thank you very much indeed. Let me go to Colette. I appreciate your concerns for me too, Jay. Uh, Colette, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Colette? Hi, Niall. I, 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 you probably know my dilemma. Are I'm you? actually waiting to see a consultant. Now, I was, trying, I was told before the pandemic, I would have to wait a year and a half. A year and a half now. Yeah. I've written to the hospital. I've written to the HSC, TDs, the Ombudsman's office. And I, I've actually rang the secretary last week and literally begged on the phone, can I even have a consultation with him for a few minutes over the telephone? She wouldn't answer me. So much so, I've wrote a complaint into the hospital. And I, I really, I, I'm you're, wait, you're waiting I, over a year now. A year and a half, Noel. Yeah, okay. And I'm a break. And then I just heard news that my sister has uh, breast cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, Colette. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. But she's getting through, but only that the doctor had to fight. She wouldn't be until November. And, and, and when, when, you're ringing up, when you're ringing up the hospital to get to try and talk to a consultant about your operation. Oh, no, the secretary there, she's yeah. actually a BH. Right, okay. And very nasty. Okay, and, and, very, when, and when, you, when you're ringing up, are they, is the word COVID being used as reasons as to why no, they can't no, do it? I'm just, just, just wondering. I got a letter just to say that, yeah, COVID and pri- uh, emergencies and trauma. Okay. And I said, well, I'm emergency. And she just doesn't answer. I was physically sick last weekend uh, over her. She was high. I was in convulsions over it. And then if you ring a few times, she doesn't say the, the guy, you know, I'm the secretary. She says you again. Which oh. I think is totally inappropriate. Well, well, you wouldn't be getting to that point if you were dealt with properly well, in the first place. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, no, I mean, no. If you're in pain, pain yeah. and I'm put it like this, I feel like chaining myself to the rails down there in Dal. Yeah. And you do while I'm on to you, uh, Niall, They're doing something about the mother and baby home. I know, I know, I did, yes. They're, sort of, they're, they're burying the archives for 30 years. Uh, that they shouldn't be allowed to do that. No, they, they no I completely agree with you, they shouldn't. To them as well, yeah. I have to say, because Roderick O'Gough, these new crowd are a load of wasters. At least Simon Harris and Leo, they were doing a better job. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe you're right, maybe you're right. Listen, Colette, I, I hope you get sorted. Don't be chaining yourself to railings. No, I hope you don't do that. Um, but listen, I hope you get sorted out very soon. I know you're in a lot of pain, and I know you're, you're very sick over the whole thing. A year and a half is ridiculous to have to wait, and you shouldn't be treated like that when you speak to somebody who's a healthcare worker. Uh, another person says, message in uh, from a healthcare worker. Niall, I work in the health service as a frontline worker for the last 20 years plus. Uh, that man, Kevin, is correct. This is Kevin who was on the start of the show. The weak management and lack of oversight in the public sector means there is a shocking waste in the HSC. I worked in the private healthcare sector, uh, Section 39, for many years, and it is much more prudent. It does beg the question as to whether our healthcare system would be better off if we privatised the whole thing. Because as much, and I'm saying this again, there are a lot of good people, doctors and nurses, hard-working people in our health system, but there are a lot of wasters. There are a lot of people walking around I remember I got a, a complaint on the Tonight Show on TV when I said there's a load of folder holders. And there are. There are people walking around there in their civvies, in the hospitals, holding folders, doing absolutely nothing and just holding everything up. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.